Journey into Space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril. Jet Morgan and his crew moving round Mars. And then a transparent circular hatch set in the middle of the floor opened to reveal a flight of stone steps. Jet and Lemmy went down them to see where they led, but they'd hardly been gone a minute when the hatch closed again, in spite of the combined efforts of Doc and Mitch to prevent it. Under the circumstances, Jet decided to proceed with the investigation. It was intended that contact should be kept by radio, but the lower Jet and Lemmy descended, the weaker the signals became, until finally contact was lost entirely. And then Frank Rogers, who had been put into a hypnotic sleep by Doc, woke up and, to Doc and Mitch's relief, appeared to be perfectly normal, except that he found it difficult to recall events of the past year, which, of course, he had spent on the Red Planet. There's that noise again. I've heard it before. You have? Many times. The wreck, number two. That has something to do with that noise. No, Mitch. I, I went back to it. The wreck. Alone. But how could you? I did, Doc. I distinctly remember I did. And I tried to get the radio going. Tried to call somebody. And then... Well, that's all I remember about that. The next thing I know, I was at Polar Base trying to contact Earth. It was imperative that I contact Earth. Well, of course, if you'd been left behind. No, it wasn't because of that, Mitch. I had a message, a most important message I had to get through. There wasn't much time. We heard your call, Frank. You did, but my Frank... Never mind that now. Uh, what was the message? Oh, the fleet. That was it, the fleet. You thought you were in it? You thought you were still in the original fleet during our first trip here? Oh, no, not our fleet, the Martian fleet. That was it. I had to warn Control. What did you have to warn Control about? About the invasion... The invasion? Yes, Doc, that was it. I had to tell them that the invasion fleet had left and was already on its way to Earth. What? Already on its way? Yes, that's why I had to contact them. Oh, you would never have managed it, Frank. Oh, but there was just a hope, Doc, a chance that somebody down on Earth might have heard me. I had to do something. When did you find out that the invasion fleet was leaving? Well, I don't know. All I remember now is that I knew it was leaving and that I had to warn somebody. You have no recollection of anything that happened to you while you were Conditioned? Conditioned? Me? Yes, Frank. Since we last saw you, we have been back to Earth and returned to Mars for the second time. Except, so far as we know, we're not on Mars anymore. Oh, now, wait a minute. You're getting me all confused. I'll explain everything later, Frank. Right now, you must tell us all you know about the invasion. The date the fleet left, everything. But I... I don't know anything more. Frank, what do you remember? I remember landing on Mars, the land trucks, number two crashing. That was a year ago. And then I remember being in number two, trying to contact Earth. How did you come by that information regarding the Martian fleet leaving for Earth? I don't know. I only know it's the one thing that's uppermost in my mind. Okay, Frank. You take it easy now. Lie quietly for an hour or so. Uh, could I have something to eat, Doc? I'm so hungry. I'm afraid we haven't anything. Not even a flask of tea? No, not even that, I'm afraid. Doesn't the ship carry tea anymore? Well, there's lots of it in the Discovery, but we're not in the Discovery, Frank. Oh. Where are we, then? I wish I knew. 
Now, you take it easy. When you've rested a while, I'll come and talk to you again. Yes, Doc. Come on, Mitch. Let's leave him alone for a spell. Sure, Doc. much out of that, did we? No, but at least he's back to normal, and that's something. Yeah. I suppose this business of not remembering is all part of the plan. What plan? Well, the Martian plan. A conditioned type up here remembers nothing of being brought up here, or of Earth for that matter, except what the Martians want him to believe. Then, when he's deconditioned, he remembers nothing of being on Mars. Very handy. From what point of view? Well, from the point of view of any of the conditioned types who are landed on Earth, suddenly reverting to normal. I see what you mean. He loses all memory of having been to Mars. Yes, of course. And how would he account for the years he's been away? Well, loss of memory. You read such things in newspapers often. Man missing from home, turns up again a few years later, doesn't know where he's been or what he's been doing meanwhile. Years of his life gone just like that. Hmm. All the time he may have been on Mars. Why not? That's the safeguard. Any spies, fifth column, call them what you will. Landed on Earth, will carry out their orders to a T, so long as they remain conditioned. But if the conditioning should leave them, it's no matter. They'd never remember they'd ever been on Mars, so they could never be a danger. Yes, but if they went back, it would be a different story. What chance is there of that? Oh, I doubt very much if any of them ever make a trip twice. There goes that music again. I wonder why we keep hearing it. And I wonder what's happened to Jet and Lemmy. They haven't returned. Hey, Doc! Doc! It's Frank. He's sitting up. Coming, Frank. That noise. Well, what about it? Well, it's, uh... Well? I've, I've heard it before. Well, so you said, but can you remember where? Uh, yes, I can. It's all rather vague, but I... Go on. It reminds me of a huge control room. Where? I don't know, but lots of other men were there. Dozens of them. We were all seated at control desks. That's right. What were you controlling? Well, I can't remember. Orders were given, and we manipulated the controls accordingly. And something I was handling always produced that kind of noise. Was it a ship, Frank? A sphere, maybe? A sphere? A Martian sphere. Remember the kind you saw on top of the pyramid in the canal out in the Agia Desert? Oh, no, not exactly. I, I seem to remember a sphere of some kind, though, but a huge one. It, it needed a whole army of men to run it. We even lived in it. Wow, then it must have been a size. Doc, let me get up. Sure, go ahead. I want to look around. Why, is this place familiar to you? It was in a place like this that we slept when we weren't on duty. Frank, have a good look round. Maybe the sight of a few more familiar objects will bring a few more things back to you. Yes, they're beginning to come back. That hatch, it leads downstairs, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, but it's shut tight. It won't open. Jet and Lemmy went down there just before it closed. We've heard nothing from them since. And that astrodome up there, does it give you a clear view of what's outside? Yeah, too right it does. Is it barren out there? Yes, it is. Just like the Earth's moon, only a lot rougher and on a smaller scale? Yes, an asteroid. What? An asteroid. That's what we're on. But what would we be doing on an asteroid? Well, the Martians control them. Live in them. Live in them? Oh, that's why you never see a Martian on Mars. They hardly ever set foot on the place. They spend most of their time between here and Jupiter in the asteroidal belt. But how can they possibly live on asteroids? They don't live on them, Mitch. They live in them. You mean, under this floor, somewhere at the bottom of those stairs is a Martian... Almost certainly. And what about the Earthmen aboard? What do they do? They're the crew. Crew? Look, you talk as though this is a ship. It is, Mitch, a great spaceship. The Martians can propel these things through space. Of course. Yes, they can, Mitch. Don't you remember? Jet and Lemmy saw exactly the kind of thing Frank's describing hovering over the Earth. 
great spaceship carriers carrying spheres which landed on Earth, dropped a number of personnel, and then returned to the mothership again. Well, I know nothing about that, Doc. Yeah, but you were on one. Or so you think. Yes, but I don't remember ever going anywhere near Earth. No, it's not likely they'd let you know if you did. Did you ever know where you went, Frank? Mm, I can't say I did, Doc. I did my turn of duty at the panel and slept in a place rather like this. That's all I remember clearly. Mm. Well, you have good look around here. Uh, see if you were reminded of anything else. Yes, Doc. Right away. Martians living on asteroids. Do you think there are any on this one? Who knows? How can we even be sure Frank's got his facts straight? Well, I seem to line up all right. He knew what the scenery outside looked like without even a glance out of that astro hatch. Yeah, but look, what about Jet and Lemmy? Yes, you don't have to remind me. It must be a couple of hours now since they started down those steps. Have they met any Martians? And if they have, what's become of them? Jet and Lemmy, I mean. I hate to think, Mitch. As we discovered later, Jet and Lemmy had, of course, on reaching the base of the spiral stairway, found themselves in a large, well-lit hall, carved out of the solid rock of which the asteroid consisted. At the far end of the cave-like structure was a long corridor. Jet and Lemmy made their way down this, and then were surprised to hear a voice, and an Irish one at that, talking to them. It guided them to a door, which opened to reveal a small chamber that Jet took to be some kind of airlock. The voice invited them to enter, and, somewhat reluctantly, they obeyed. The door then closed behind them, and Lemmy thought he and Jet had been neatly caught in a trap. Well, come on. What about this other door, eh? Hello? Hello? Hell, what did I tell you? He has got us. We should never have... Oh, something's happening. And he was speaking the truth. But who is he? When that door opens, we shall find out. Come on in. Make yourselves to home. Come on, Lenny. But where's the geezer? I thought he'd appear. Perhaps he is, but we won't meet him by hanging back now. Come on. Be careful, mate. He's probably behind the door. Wait to hit us over the head. No, no. Oh. That's an unkind thing to say about me. Who wouldn't even hurt a fly. Blimey, mate. You scared the life out of me. Are you the same man who was talking to us outside? I am, to be sure. And it's a pleasure indeed to meet you face to face, Captain Morgan. Well, thank you, but... Uh... Who are you? I told you, Flynn. Haji Flynn. We know that, mate. But what are you doing here? Now, that's an odd question to ask a man. What are any Earthmen doing up here? But you're not conditioned. Or are you? I have a strong mind, Captain. The Martians did their best, but I laughed at them. Haji Flynn has a will of his own. Nobody conditions him. And what are you doing on this asteroid? This is a Martian asteroid, isn't it? Oh, it is, to be sure. Or perhaps I should say it was. The Martians think they control it, but they don't. Well, who does? Well, there's two of us, Jack Evans and myself. Two of you? Is that all? There can't be much to control. Oh, but there is. All manner of things, the like of which you never saw. There's the main control room for a start. The flight, speed, and course of this vessel is controlled from that. This is a great ship, you mean? Oh, of course. And does it carry a fleet of spheres like those we saw on the Martian surface? Yes. And does this asteroid ever approach close to the Earth? Oh, it never has yet, but it soon will. Hey, Number 734 is only one of a whole fleet of asteroids, all bound for Earth. What? Yes, the invasion fleet. 
Jack and me wanted to go back to work, too. That's why we're aboard. This is the only chance we'll ever have to go back home. Look, Mr. Flynn. Uh, me friends call me Paddy. Look, Paddy, you better tell us the whole story from the beginning. Oh, it'll take time. I thought you said you were hungry. We are, mate. I'm starving. Then I'll explain everything while you're eating. Now, are uh, Doc, Mitch and Frank Rogers awake yet? Of course they are. Doc and Mitch, anyway. Then why didn't they come down with you? Well, first, because none of us had a clue where those steps led to or what we'd find at the bottom of them. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. And second, Frank Rogers is conditioned. Doc wouldn't leave him. Ah, sad thing about Rogers. And such a nice fellow, too. Oh, you know him, then? I had to teach him a thing or two. He was trained as an asteroid crewman. Oh, where? At the city of Lacasolis. That's the central training school. All personnel brought up from Earth spend a considerable time there before they're allocated to a, well, a regular trade, you might call it. Trade? How many trades are there? Oh, hundreds. Engineers, farmers, builders. And who do they work for? The Martians, of course. I thought you knew that already. But who are the Martians? Oh, what do you mean, oh? If I knew, I'd be glad to tell you. But I will tell you this. I. There's one on this asteroid. Where? I can't talk about it here. Why not? Well, uh, you'll have to kind of trust me. Now, uh, uh, about the rest of your party up there in the sleeping quarters, are you quite sure they're awake? Of course we are, except for Rogers. He was asleep when we left, but he may well have woken up since. Ah, well, it doesn't matter. Doc and Mitch can carry him down. He doesn't weigh much. What do we do, go back there and get them? Oh, you needn't go to that, Father. I'll get them down myself. Uh How? I'll talk to them. Tell them to come down. Why didn't you talk to us when we were up there? Oh, I intended to, Captain. But Jack and me have a lot to do. I had to leave this place and go to another part of the ship. So I just opened up the hatch up there and hoped you'd come down on your own accord. Like. Yeah, as soon as we did, the hatch closed. Ah, yes, it does that. There are times on this ship when all hatches have to be closed. A safety precaution so that atmosphere cannot escape. But an audible warning is always given a few minutes before. Is that what all that row was? A noise like a scream. Yeah, frightened the life out of us. Oh, that was it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll go and give them a call. Do you mind if we come with you? No, not at all. We have to go to the next room. We control pretty well everything from there. Come on, Lemmy, and keep your eyes open. You think I won't? I don't trust this geezer. Do you? Uh, I'm not sure. Come on, now. What are you holding back for? Uh, coming. You can imagine the surprise of Mitch, Frank, and myself when, from out of nowhere, as it were, came first the voice of Paddy Flynn and then the voices of Jet and Lemmy, telling us to leave the sleeping quarters and make our way down the steps to where they all were. When we protested that we had no idea how to open the hatch, it was opened for us. On Jet's instructions, we took our suits with us and made the descent down the long spiral stairway, passed through the great hall and down the long passage until we reached the door behind which we were to find our crewmates. Frank, who had undoubtedly been on this or a similar asteroid before, now began to remember a great deal. He had, it seemed, spent some time, while in a conditioned state, inside one of the huge, controllable pieces of flying rock. By the time we had joined Jet and Lemmy in the anteroom, where a meal had been laid out for each of us, Frank's recollections of the period he had spent on the asteroid were flooding back. Yes, I remember it all now. This isn't just an asteroid, it's a flying city. I should think up to a hundred or so people live on it. A hundred and fifty. All of them conditioned types, trained to man the thing, manipulate the controls according to received orders. Now, where they come from, I can't remember. From a place like this. 
I give orders myself. You do? Um, why not? Of course, I receive them from somewhere else in the first place. From where exactly? From what you might call the nerve center. From inside the asteroid? Precisely. But who gives you the orders? The Martian who was in charge of this asteroidal ship. Yes, but where is he? And what's he look like? Is he human? I don't even know whether we should refer to him as he or she. Doesn't his or her voice give you any indication? Well, it's a very high-pitched voice. You might call it feminine. But the things it says and the way it says them are distinctly masculine. He never speaks, except to give an order. What makes you think he's on this, um, ship, as you call it? There's one room here which none of us has ever entered. Well, why not? There are notices which make it perfectly clear that you should keep out. That's right, I remember that. Not that there's any need to tell people to keep out. There's no way of getting in that I can find. Well, how can you be sure there is anyone in it? Well, it's a well-known thing that at least one Martian dwells in every asteroid. Of course, some say more, two or three. They give the orders to trustees like Jack and me. And those orders are passed on to the conditioned crew who carry them out. But don't the Martians ever come out of their rooms? I've never heard of one coming out. You mean they spend their whole lives in there? No, I wouldn't know that. But how do they live? What do they live on? I wouldn't know that either. Well, come to that, what do you all live on, Paddy? Where do you get your food? From Mars. All the food we carry is grown on Mars. When we run out, we approach the planet, release the spheres and pick up more. Pick up new personnel, too. Send back the old ones. What's for? Because no man can remain conditioned forever. Isn't that right, Paddy? Oh, you're right. That's right. The conditioning gradually wears off, but before it's worn off completely, the men are returned to the lack of solace. For a refresher course, as you might say. Only sometimes the conditioning wears off completely. The subject becomes immune to it. And then they have the choice of throwing their lot in with the Martians or working in the factories. Forced labor. You might even call it slavery. How many of that type are there? Hundreds. But you, Paddy, threw your lot in with the Martians. They treat you well if you do. Then why are you treating us so well? We hold no brief for them. The fact is, Captain, you're looking as a rebel. Eh? So long as I knew there was no chance of getting back to home, I did as I was told. But now a whole fleet of asteroids, just like this one, is about to leave for Earth. They haven't left yet, then? No, but we expect our sailing orders any minute. Just how many of those asteroids are there? Dozens of them. Hundreds, for all I know. And all the men on them are to land on Earth? Oh, no. Normal types like me are not allowed to. And only a selected few of the conditioned types will actually make the landing. Ah, and what do they do when they get there? Nobody's told me that. Where does the rebellion come in, then? It seems to me that things are going exactly the way the Martians want them to. Ah, that's where you come in. Oh, I thought we'd be dragged into this. Well, how do we make any difference? Oh, I have to leave you now. Where are you going? That noise. It's Section 4, air conditioning. Happens about every hour. Excuse me, I'll be back directly. The men down there can't do a thing unless I order them to. Frank, where's he going? I don't know, Doc. I don't remember being in any place quite like this. Well, wherever he's going, he's gone. What do you make of all this, Doc? Oh, I don't know, Jeff. You think he's genuine? About being a rebel, I mean. I wouldn't bet on it, Mitch. Hey, listen. There's that celestial choir again. Anybody else hear it? Yes, I can. What? Uh, that's no choir. Can you still hear that singing, Lemmy? No, Jet, it stopped now. Just as it did before when that noise came on. Oh, crikey, what's that? The wall. Look at the wall. For Pete's sake. What is it? Oh, blimey, what's happening? Lemmy. Oh, let me get out of here.
What's happening to the wall? It's fluorescent. It's glowing. There's something behind you. You you can see through it. See through it? Nothing. It's dissolving. It's disintegrating before our eyes. Stay where you are, Mitch. Don't go near it. God, grief. It's completely gone now. The whole wall just disappeared. And what's that beyond? Looks like a vast control room. And all those blokes in boiler suits sitting at those tables. Who are they? Not so loudly. Uh, don't attract their attention. What difference does it make? It only needs one of them to look this way and they'll see us. Frank, does this place mean anything to you? Yes, Doc, it does. What is it, Frank? I used to be in a place just like it. I wore a suit just like the ones those fellows are wearing. But what are they doing? Blimey, look. Look. One of them's coming over here. All right. Stay where we are. Don't move. Oh. He turned off. But he was heading directly towards us. He must have seen us. And he preferred not to. Yes, but why? How should I know? Paddy's the boy to answer that question, not me. Hey, wait a minute. Has he seen us this time? He's looking straight at us. And he's coming back. Here, why doesn't Paddy come back? Paddy! Paddy! Quietly, me. Getting very close now. Now he's stopped. All right, mate. Don't just stand there staring. If you've got something to say, say it. What are your orders? I? Orders? Us? We have no orders. Who are you? I said, who are you? Orders received and understood. Orders received and under... But no, nobody gave him any. Now he's turned round and is walking back. Is it him that's crazy or is it us? Why, you. Hey, you. What is going on? He must be stone deaf as well. Yeah, either that or he chose to ignore us. I'm not sure he even saw us. But how could he miss us, Doc? He looked straight at us. Then why didn't he come any closer? And who did he get the orders from? He certainly behaved as though he received some from somebody. Yeah, well, why don't we go out there? Aye? If we walked up to that fellow and tapped him on the shoulder, he'd have to take notice of us, wouldn't he? And then? Yes, come on. Yeah, and what happens if the wall reappears once we're on the other side of it? We needn't all go through. We'll go as far as where the wall should be, and then Mitch and I will carry on. The rest of you stay on this side of it. But if they don't want to be sociable, why bother? Oh, come on, Lemmy, and stop arguing. Oh, what's up? There is a wall here. What? Yes, Doc. Absolutely solid, but invisible. Feel it. Go, go on, feel it with your hand. Land sakes, there is, too. An invisible wall? It's not a wall. It's a giant televiewer screen, three-dimensional. Why, it's so realistic, it, it completely fooled us. And who was that foreman, or whatever he is talking to? He was looking straight at us. He was looking at the camera that picked up his picture. That made him appear to look at us. <laughs> We're off again. The picture's fading. Stand back, Lemmy. Keep clear. Well, looks just like a normal wall again. The show's over. Well, no Mickey Mouse. That's ah, as solid as a rock. What can it be made of? Rock? And how can it show a picture? You'd expect it to be thin glass or something similar. Yeah, when you stand back a bit, you can make out its shape. Yes, it's a little darker than the rest of the wall. I wonder we didn't notice it before. How many other surprises are they going to spring on us? My eye. Why don't I keep my mouth shut? All right, it's only Paddy returning. Oh. 
Sorry for the interruption, gentlemen. But certain things have to be attended to. You know how it is. I wish we did know how it is. The next time you play any of those Wizard of Oz tricks on us, you might warn us. The Wizard of which? Uh, what Lemmy is trying to say, Paddy, is that the moment you left the room, the wall over there disappeared. And a three-dimensional picture took its place. Oh, that. That's quite normal. Just a televiewer, that's all. With a three-dimensional screen the size of a wall? I thought televiewers were common things on Earth, and that you even carry them in your own ship to discover Well, we do, but the main televiewer is only three foot square, and it gives a, a flat picture. Well, that surprised me, I must say. I understood that during the last few years, great scientific progress had been made down on Earth. That depends on what you mean by few. Well, to put it more precisely, since I left the place. Uh, when was that? That's the funny thing. I can never quite remember. Oh? But you must remember something. Oh, I do. I do. Where did you live? In Ireland. Whereabouts? Dublin. You don't seem too sure. If you'd spent as long drifting around the solar system in this asteroid as I have, you wouldn't be sure either. But you must remember something of your life on Earth, Paddy. Oh, yes. When I lie in bed, I remember. Though sometimes I can't be sure if I'm remembering or dreaming. Well, what do you dream? Of green hills. Green is such a wonderful color. There's no green on Mars. Is that how you remember Dublin? As green hills? Quietly, me. They'll be saying he was picking flowers in Piccadilly Circus next. Paddy, can you recall anything else? The, the railroad. Which railroad? The one I was helping to build, of course. There was hundreds of us. Where were you building this railroad? That I can't remember. But we, we lived in a special train. As the track got longer, the train moved up. We always lived at end of track. I was a grading uh, supervisor. What kind of equipment were you using? Picks and shovels and dynamite. No bulldozers? I was a railroad builder, not a farmer. He's never heard of a bulldozer. And you'd never seen a televiewer before you left Earth. Isn't that right, Paddy? Uh, I, I don't think so. Paddy, this railroad you were building, did it run through good green country of the kind you dream about? Oh, no, no. Well, was it barren, unpopulated... Uh, no towns, just rolling, undulating country, virtually without trees. Yes, I think it was. But I can't be sure. It certainly wasn't green. And the machines that pull the trains, what did you call those? The locomotives, you mean. Driven by steam? Of course, how else? Tell me, Paddy, would you know what a diesel engine was? Uh, no. I never heard of one of them. Ever heard of a helicopter? Uh, no. Atomic power? Uh, that's a new one on me. Did you ever hear of Marconi? No. Einstein? No. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yes. Now, that's a familiar name. Abraham Lincoln. Was he an Irishman? Oh, he was an American. Were you ever in America? Well, were you? Yeah. What's the matter with him? He's gone all gooey-eyed. America. When you were working on this railroad. Well, I... 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 Oh, that's it. That's what? That noise. I'm wanted. Must answer at once. Well, where are you going? I'll be back soon. Stay here. Don't leave this room. If he makes any more walls disappear, I'll do him. Well, what do you make of him, Doc? Do you think he really remembers anything about Earth? Yes, he does. But he's talking of a time so long ago, it's a wonder he remembers anything at all. How do you mean? I believe he was working on a railroad, but in the States. Well, why? Because of the terms he used. Locomotives. End of track. But who ever heard of building a railroad with picks and shovels? In the 19th century, that's exactly what they did, Jet. They practically used their bare hands. So all his memories of Earth date back a hundred years or more? Exactly. Oh, blimey. You mean he's been up here all that time? Yes. We'll be meeting Cleopatra next. But 
He's hoping to go back to Earth. He'll never make it, Mitch. You know what will happen the moment he sets foot on Earth. Yes. He'll revert to his true age. Ah, but he's been looking forward to it so much. Quietly, me. Here he comes. It's come at last. What? The orders to join the main fleet. We're going back to Earth. We're going home. Oh, no. That was episode 10 of Journey into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Other parts were played by David Jacobs and Pat Campbell. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also wrote the music. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Chilton. Journey into Space will be taking a two-week break now, returning to Radio 2 in its usual spot on Fridays at 7pm on September the 13th.